Welcome to Ripping on Bodice Rippers. I'm Kim. And I'm Jenny. And today we are reading If the Shoes Fit by Julie Murphy. We are recording from the past in on September 4th. Yep. As I'm speaking. Uh, so future Jenny, how's New York? You know, present Jenny doesn't know. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But I would hope that future Jenny is having an okay time. <laughs> Yeah. I, mean, I hope Future Us is having an okay time. Yeah. I hope Future Us has figured out how to record record virtually, too. I mean, this is our first episode doing it, so hopefully it turns yeah. out okay. Oh, yeah. So, listeners, disclaimer, this, like Jenny just said, that we are recording on Zoom right now for the first time. Um, and we're doing our best to keep the audio quality the same if not slightly better than what it was um and we'll keep improving but we are a little little baby pod yeah so we thank you for your patience yes thank you so much as we try and figure out this new thing now that kim and i in the future are states apart uh so quick uh, summary or not even a summary because Jenny will read us the synopsis, but a quick um, context of the book is it's a new series slash anthological series because they're not technically sequels that are modern retellings of classic Disney princesses. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many, do you know how many books there? I don't think they released like saying how many books there would be. I think because if the shoe fits did pretty well and was getting a good amount of attention, they did um, pick up a sequel for Jasmine Guillory to do for Beauty and the Beast. That's all I know. Yes. So as of right now, the title or the series is under the title, the meant to be series Mm -hmm. with this first one that is already out called if the shoe fits. Right. I think may or may not. Oh, go ahead. We may or may not do the second one. Right. <laughs> for reasons we'll get into later. Wait, yeah, we'll get into it. But um, let's see. I'm trying to find the title of the second book. Because I think they released it kind of the same day if the shoe fits dropped. But it's not on Goodreads. So Ooh. I'll do some Googling. Is it on Jasmine's website, maybe? Mm, let's see. Have you read Jasmine Guillory? Mm-hmm. I've read two or three from her. Okay. I think I have as well. I've read um, The Wedding Date. Mm-hmm. That's, I also read that. The Proposal and The Wedding Party. And then I just I stopped because I wasn't loving them. I think, yeah, I think those were the three I read as well. Mm-hmm. I, I tried liked... to read the one. Sh- it was like a spinoff of The Wedding Date with like the main character's mom called the royal holiday but i just oh mm-mm, i did not i did not attempt that yeah let's see um the thing is i actually saw an interview of hers and well let's just put it out there readers we are we don't really read jasmine guillory books like that because it's very like fade to black, which is fine. It's just not our not our cup, cup of tea. tea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I I like the story. Um, and 
in this interview that I was watching, she was doing it with um, the hosts of Thirst Aid Kit, which is a pod that I really, really deeply enjoy. But they did ask her and she was like, you know, like it's not out of the question going forward in the future that I might just get slowly spicier and spicier. Because you know we love our sexy times. We're all about it. And I was like, Jasmine, please. That would be the perfect trifecta because you have interesting characters. Mm-hmm. You have good writing. Mm-hmm. And we just need that third component. Maybe she's just like warming up and trying to make sure her sex scenes are actually good and not stilted. Because I do think sex scenes are probably the hardest stuff to write. I agree. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense. And like reading her books, like I can see that trajectory happening. Mm hmm. And selfishly, I would like it to happen faster. Yeah. I do remember reading Wedding Party and being like, oh, there's a little bit more in this than I thought. Right? And I was happy. Um, Let's see. Yeah, the sequel is going to be By the Book by Jasmine Guillory, expected to publish in 2022. So a full year out, probably. Is there a synopsis yet or still no? No. Okay. Well, let's, why don't you read the synopsis for this one? Of course. So this is a synopsis of If the Shoe Fits. says, if the shoe doesn't fit, it's time to design your own. After graduating with a degree in shoe design, Cindy is trying to get her feet on the ground by working for her stepmother, who happens to be the executive producer of America's favorite reality show, Before Midnight. When a spot on the show needs filling ASAP, Cindy volunteers, hoping it might help jumpstart her career, or at least give her something to do while her peers land jobs in the world of high fashion. Turns out being the only plus-size woman on a reality dating competition makes a splash, and soon Cindy becomes a body positivity icon for women everywhere. What she doesn't expect, that she just might find inspiration and love in the process. Ultimately, Cindy learns that if the shoe doesn't fit, maybe it's just time to design your own. There we go. There we go. So what I like about the synopsis is that it very much does not mention Cinderella, because usually with this kind of stuff, it's like a new and exciting retelling of a Disney classic. But this is just like, no. (laughs) Right. And this is just like the synopsis is like you can if you pick up on it, great. Because right. it's like still very obvious. But if not, this is a story that's exciting all on its own. Yeah. And also like the cover is pretty obvious with it as well. That's like you can put it together pretty easily, but you also don't need to be like a Disney fan or anything to right? read this. Yeah. This is Disney adult friendly, but also regular adult friendly. Yeah. Um, talking about Cinderella redos, there's been a oh, lot of them. boy. I know. And I, why? I want it to end. Me too. I mean, I really like this book. Yeah. I had a great time reading this book. We're just talking in the general miasma of culture right uh-huh. now. Why this? Uh, specifically the Cinderella on Prime with Camila Cabello, um, which Kim said no fucking way to. <laughs> I, I dead ass blocked the account on Twitter because it kept showing up on my timeline. Yeah, it's a big no. And then I watched it yesterday. Um, and it was just 
it was bad. And maybe this conversation will feel outdated, but we're in the midst of September, people, and it's it's horrific. I mean, it's not horrible, but the plot isn't there. The writing is not Ooh. there. The acting, no. Can I just say, though, I also find it interesting that now the remakes are just like hashtag very like she's hashtag girl bossing. I know. And it's all about like designing clothes because like the Amazon Cinderella. She's what? A dressmaker? Yes. Dresses by Ella. Mm -hmm. And then for this one, it's not quite as like. Yeah. Hashtag gatekeep gaslight. (laughs) Yeah. But she is a fashion and shoe designer. Mm hmm. And I didn't watch the Amazon movie, but I will say that it did feel at least g- genuine in the novel. Yes. I do think it's a bit odd that, like, this sort of, like, take on, like, the empowered Cinderella has to put her in some sort of, like, job position in order to have empowerment or worth. Where, like, if you watch the Cinderella movie, she is actually able to do quite a lot while being, like, actively abused. Yeah, and I mean, the work she's doing in the movie was work. Yeah. It was just not labor that's considered, like, revolutionary, I guess. So I do think it's a bit odd that people have to, like, put someone within, like, a capitalist system for them to do worthy work, and then their empowerment is to, like, make a business. When it's, like, it's probably just if not more empowering to get out of an abusive situation and then literally live your happily ever after with a prince and say fuck it to everyone else. Lily James is Cinderella. James? Did that. Lily James? Yeah. Oh, Lily James. Mm. Mm-hmm. Her Cinderella was really... Was really great. I mean, yeah. I also that, just... one, that one... That remake wasn't super original because it was just beat by beat the other movie. Mm-hmm. But so pretty. So pretty. And I also Big just dress. love, I love Richard Madden. I, like, I love them together. Yeah. I didn't they realize. They also did uh, Romeo and Juliet together afterwards. And I was like, so you're in love. Right. Get married, please. How, how do you? <laughs> I don't realize like how much of a crush I have on Richard Madden until I see him in stuff. And I'm like literally rewinding <laughs> to like look at him. Like when I watched, um, is it Love Drunk Ibiza? Have you seen oh, that movie? Oh gosh, yes I have. He is so hot in that. I know he is. I'm like, stop staring at me. That was half the reason I watched the movie. Yeah. Three quarters of the reason mm-hmm. why I watched mm-hmm. the movie. Uh, listeners, for those of you out there, Jenny's type is very much uh, skinny, lanky, yeah. if you will, with a head full of curls. Uh-huh. If you have a single brother, son, nephew that fits that description. Listen, I'm sure I'm going to bump into a lot of tall, lanky, curly-haired boys in New York. Surely. Sure. I hope. Um, The thing is, though, I don't want them to be, like, super skinny. Like, in my mind, I think Timothy Chalamet is very attractive. In person, I would probably be like, absolutely not. I can crush you. (laughs) Um, So who knows? Richard Madden is just tall, I He's, think. Yeah. He has a great face. He has a great face. I saw this side-by-side side, um, on Twitter yesterday 
um, from You Can Call Me Sis, and I just love them. I follow them all and just like every single one of their tweets. And it was like, don't tell me these are two different people. And it was Richard Madden with like a scruffy beard. And then next to it was um, uh, Sebastian Stan, also a little scruffy looking. Yodeling, I know. And I was like, you're telling me <laughs> that's not the same person? And I had to like open the picture and see like which one was which because I couldn't differentiate it. But it's weird because yeah. I don't get your Sebastian Stan love. And then I'm surely a hypocrite, though, because I'm over here with Richard Madden. And they look the you know exact same. Fun? You know what's fun is that someone else was like, I don't get all the hype about Sebastian Stan. He's literally just Cara Delevingne with a beard. <laughs> and then they, someone photoshopped it. It was truly, they have the same face. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Oh, that's such a good face, though. It is. All right. <laughs> gone off first aside <laughs> let's talk about the book we're here for yeah we took a side road we're going back on the uh -huh. highway so our character cindy is of course flagship character mm -hmm. cinderella mm -hmm. uh i like that they made her name cindy yeah versus the other you know the ellas mm. no um she is a 23 year old which only 20 really freaked us out uh-huh She's our age. I don't like it. I also. I, I mean, okay. she's so your she, age. She's a year yeah. older than me. Let's get oh, it. <laughs> we're in the same. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, she's so just recently graduated from what was from Parsons Design School. Uh, and sure, I barely remember this book, so I think you're gonna have to do the heavy lifting. Yeah, so she just like, graduated from Parsons Design School and now has to move back to L.A. to live with her stepmom and two stepsisters and three younger step-siblings. Yeah, I think they're all, it's like two boys and a girl, and they're like yeah. young. They're triplets. Uh -huh. They're IVF babies. Anyways, right. Um, I don't know about you, but I was really curious slash a little nervous to see how you how the author would approach the stepsisters yes stepmom dynamic i'm glad like, it was kind of just thrown away like they're not evil i agree thank god like they are a an obstacle to her goal the mm -hmm. way that they're an obstacle to her goal in the original but not in a because they're pure evil right. kind of way it's just because they want the best for her and want to support her but like they might have different opinions of what success looks like. And I think it's like much more believable because yes, like evil step parents I'm sure exists mm -hmm. now, but like how, you know, like it's not as black and white as what Disney depicted. So I'm glad that she just went away with that whole thing. Yes, me too. Uh, but what didn't go away was the fact that Cindy is very much orphaned. Uh-huh. That she is. <laughs> she lost her mom at a really young age. Mm -hmm. And then it was just her and her dad. And her dad, of course, remarried. And I don't... We've read a couple of other, like, orphans in the book, in other books mm -hmm. before. Or, like, loss of a parent. Yeah. But this one was just so much sadder I to know. me. 
Yeah, it really was. I think Julie Murphy did a good job of like showing that grief doesn't just like disappear and that there can be like moments where you don't like think about them or they're not like they're not like right up on your mind and then you see something or you do something that reminds them and it kind of like all floods back. Um, or if it's like if you're experiencing like a new thing, like going on a Bachelor-esque TV show and like maybe finding your true love, like you're obviously going to be then thinking about the people you don't have who aren't able to see you do that. She also did a really good job showing how depression during grief doesn't always present in the way that everyone mm. thinks it presents because Cindy graduated from school and she's in the slump of like not being able to find work, which, you know very relatable to a lot of people Mm -hmm. but also not being able to like find that fulfillment in her design the way she used to yeah because she just misses her dad and is kind of like adrift emotionally Mm -hmm. but it's never it's not like she locked herself in a dark room and will cry for 12 hours a day kind of grief it's just she's just going through it and like yeah. living her life but not really feeling anything and her dad passed away what when she was a senior in high school correct i think so yeah. yeah somewhere around there so it's it's been like four years but then after you've like essentially grinded so hard throughout college you already have a sense of like not knowing who you are after you graduate because like your mm-hmm. whole identity has mm-hmm. been wrapped up in a student and then it's like you don't have a job, so you can't put your personality into that. And then once <laughs> you you realize you like don't have the biggest support system you used to have, it's really aimless. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's where she's at, which felt honestly a bit too real. A bit too real. I was like, how dare you? I well, so let's just get more into Cindy as a character. She's um, blonde and she's fat woman and she's. You know, very funny and dry in a way that I did not expect them to go yeah. with the character of Cinderella, but I, I really appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, she's like, she still retains that like nurturing kindness personality of the original character, right. but in a way that's like much more realistic. Yes. She like knows her boundaries and, and mm-hmm. sort of like sometimes she'll get kind of persuaded into doing like taking care of her siblings or just staying at the house and like letting herself relax when maybe she doesn't want to but it's not out of like a sense of being like stepped on and pushed into that role it's like well I love my family so I'll do this yeah it's very much less of a martyrdom situation Mm -hmm. where you're just like girl what are you doing yeah yeah uh but so during this time in her life she is going to go back and living with her very successful stepmother, Erica Tremaine, who is a producer of, let's basically call it The Bachelor. Yeah. In the book, it's called Before Midnight, but it is literally The Bachelor. It is The Bachelor, like, beat by beat. Like, they even have, like, a Chris Harrison character. Mm-hmm. It's The mm-hmm. Bachelor. And I think it's really fun that they use the three mice and... Um, Julie Murphy turned them into those three toddlers that were her step-siblings. I didn't even put that together, to be quite honest. Because they had the same name. Like, Gus was the, like, big fat mice <laughs> in the in the Cinderella movie. How did I not realize that, Kim? 
No, but this is why I love this because it's so subtle. Yeah. So she that's why she's there. She's just going to be a glorified babysitter slash nanny to her stepmom. She doesn't feel great about that, mm. but it's also the only thing that's like presented to her until they lost a contestant last minute and the producer is like why don't you have your daughters slash stepdaughter go on the show Mm -hmm. and the producer's name is beck and um cindy's two stepsisters do you remember their names anna and drew anna and drew because it's it's also a shortened version of the original stepsisters so So drew is Drew was originally Drusella, and Anna was Annabelle, or Annabella, something like that, but now they're Anna and Drew. And so Anna and Drew are, like, totally gung-ho, like, hell yes, and they're, like, conventionally pretty, Um, and when Cindy's, like, interested in it. They're literally Instagram influencers. Yeah, yeah. And when Cindy, like, expresses interest, her stepmom is like, no, it's fine, and just, like, kind of shoots her down. And it comes off on first read, like, well, that's fucked up of her. But then they actually, like, talk it out because they have a good relationship. So they're able to, like, like, hey, that hurt me. Why'd you say it like that? And it's just because um, Cindy's stepmom doesn't want to see her get hurt and, like, experience all that hate. But Cindy kind of takes it upon herself to be like, well, I'm an adult woman, and I've also gotten this sort of hate my whole entire life. So... Here I go. Yeah. And I think it was really interesting the way she showed, like, because Cindy on her own is very confident in her own looks and her figure. But there are moments where she's with Drew and Anna Mm -hmm. that, you know, the obvious comparisons come up. And she, like, puts herself down a little bit, but not. It's not like unrealistic like she's 100% confident no matter what but it's also not like we're reading a self-hating character for 300 pages and thank goodness like it's not self-loathing and this entire time I was reading this book it was kind of reminding me of one to watch by Kate Stamen London have you read that Mm -mm. it's about a female fashion blogger who takes a shot at like a bachelorette-esque show and is essentially writing about how it's super fat phobic and their ratings are declining, so the producers ask her to be the next lead of the show. And a lot of the criticism, and I think um, well worth it, was that like the main character B wasn't really confident in herself yet. Like she hadn't found that like sort of self love. So any single time someone like commented on her body, she like really lashed out, even if it was complimentary. Um, and so, you know, some people are like, well, that's normal. Like that's actually like a true representation, but there is something very nice and refreshing to see a fat woman who's not ashamed of herself every single page. And it's only, you only get that sense of shame once you're around people who are conventionally pretty as like a reminder of like, this is what you're supposed to be. Um, Mm -hmm. but she snaps out of it, I think pretty quickly where she's able to like sort of recognize that, um, all of that is like essentially like bullshit internalized fat phobia and then the people around her like Anna and Drew are also very loving and supportive Mm -hmm. of her that it's sort of like Cindy will get that thought and then Anna and Drew will do something to like completely erase it and it's like okay Mm -hmm. we're back to a good place again 
Yeah, I, I'm really glad that the girls are friends and they yes. love each other. And a lot of where those moments of um, insecurity comes in, it's also like very externally motivated and it's not internally motivated. Mm -hmm. So when they all got on the show, you know, they went shopping together and they being skinny just like unwittingly keeps bringing her into stores that have no options for her. And, you know, they didn't know that they weren't doing that on purpose, but it still Mm -hmm. very much showed like the difference in experience between those two people or those three people. And then that scene where Anna just like told off the salesperson and Cindy was just like, can we go? Yeah. Yeah. It, that, that scene was really interesting because as someone who like generally can't shop in stores unless like, Oh, maybe they stock an XL and maybe that'll fit me. But like also who knows because sizing is just so fucked up. Like I really liked all of their maturity in that situation where Anna and Drew were like acknowledged that they didn't even think about that. And that wasn't like, it wasn't, um, intentionally malicious but then they recognize that it could still be hurtful to cindy but cindy was able to like direct her anger towards like a bigger issue of like the fashion industry and not directed at anna and drew which is hard Mm -hmm. to do because in that situation you already are like comparing yourself to your like your skinnier friends your skinnier sister or whatever and then it's really easy to just like like okay well i should be mad at them and cindy's able to be like there's a bigger picture here that right. and it's not their fault but also they should be more cognizant which i think they and andrew learn too so that was the setup and then i and like just spoiler alert now mm-hmm. they stay friends throughout the whole yeah. thing which i'm really relieved by because i was like oh this is already so sweet and so nice yes that once they're competitors i don't want that to go away and it didn't Thank goodness. And it didn't, thank goodness, because then you could really root for, like, all of them to be happy. Yeah. And I think it also helped that, I mean, I think Julie Murphy has probably seen Bachelor and Bachelorette and understands that, like, not every single person on the show has a romantic connection with the lead. Right. And it's a lot of, like, the first five weeks are just, like, sifting out the people who, like, Mm -hmm. just get along with as friends or, like, have absolutely no interest in. And it's nice because Anna and Drew were never, like, true contenders. Right. Where they were, like, romantically interested in Henry, the lead. So it Mm -hmm. helps because it's like, okay, we know which couple to root for. And that doesn't get in the way of the friendship that we've already, like, established in love, too. So it's Mm -hmm. nice, like, even though there's, like, so many different romantic um, options for Henry, it's like, it stays true to Henry and Cindy being the end goal. And there's no sort of like, oh, I wonder who they're going to end up with. And like, I'm cool with all these different pairings or anything like that. Right. And I really like that because this is a romance. This is not a fictionalized retelling of The Bachelor. It's the fictionally retelling of Cinderella. So that's like the way it should have gone. And I'm, I'm, I find it really... I thought it was weird at first that she would choose to do it in the backgrounds of The Bachelor because I was like, that's a really big undertaking to modernize that as well as Cinderella and trying to blend it. But I think she did a really good job Mm -hmm. because if we think about it a little bit more, it makes a lot of sense where like The Bachelor set up very much 
hinges on its audience's ability to like believe in the fairy tale mm-hmm. and believe in the like one true love at the yeah. end with the proposal and in that vein i think it she did a lot she did a lot of work then by making the producer erica tremaine a woman versus like what is in real life chris harrison yeah because it takes having a producer as a woman i mean there is still a lot of like casual misogyny on the show which she wrote in the novel Mm -hmm. but at the helm of it being a woman just seems less gross than a man yeah sitting down and being like oh you know what would make good television is if we make a bunch of 25 year old women Mm -hmm. compete for one man it feels like a lot more self-aware like where her stepmom was like i understand that this is like should like generally shitty and misogynistic but like she does everything she can within the whole production to like make sure that each person feels like safe like they have their own producers and they can like just chill out and they actually do have i mean not a lot but some sort of like private moments they can get um once they realize you know like if you're not the center of the story you can get away with being on the fringes a lot more um yeah, I don't I don't know where I was going else with this, but um just the fact that she's like 23 and doing this is still like uh, boggling I to know. me. I know. It's just like I mean, I guess Serena P, I don't know if anyone else has watched Bachelor in Paradise this past like summer and fall, but Serena P is like one of the main people on the beach right now in Bachelor in Paradise and she's 23. Oh and God. it just weirds me out. I'm like, do you even know yourself? Right. And I mean, that's the thing is that Cindy, I we can chalk it up to like she's gone through a lot in mm-hmm. her 23 years with losing both parents. Yeah. But I was reading this and her like mentality, you would think she was at least like 25. I know. There's like something about like her maturity, being able to like keep track of like one her goal to be with henry and to not get jealous or petty towards all the other women and actually support the other woman's relationships with henry and remain friends with them it's like i i just don't see a 23 year old reacting that way yeah let's compare it to like katie thurston i guess is the closest recent example we have of that she later went on to be the bachelorette but she was like 30 yeah she was 29 or 30 29 or 30 so there you go yeah but cindy played a lot of the game the same way that katie did Mm -hmm. as a 23 year old right and in real life katie was put down and like essentially bullied for trying to be friends with the woman like all the women came after her eventually for trying to be this nice girl and they thought it was just like a ploy so i mean maybe bachelor in real world is doing a lot more mind tricks because you literally have no source I'm sure of they entertainment are. i'm sure mm-hmm. they are like um no well, listeners if it's not already obvious we are a part of bachelor nation we are. for better or for worse mm-hmm. so when so cindy got moments where she could work on her sketchbook and like doodled and try to like come up with designs and right. shoes when she's not filming and i don't think that would have been the case in the no. real life bachelor bachelor contestants are only allowed to keep a diary which i guess you can use as a sketchbook if you wanted to um 
no books. You can bring a Bible, but I don't know of any other religious text you could bring. And yeah, that's and no it. No books. I mean, how culty is that? I've li- I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about cult and <laughs> just cults and like the different methods you use to break down somewhat a very perfectly normal person's like logic mm-hmm. is all of the tactics that the bachelor uses. Yeah. So it's a deprivation of food, deprivation of sleep, no privacy, mm-hmm. strict like strict rules and hierarchical order, cutting you off from your support system so no one else from the outside can be like, hey, that's a little yeah. insane. And then the bachelor takes it one more step where they just provide you copious amount of alcohol. Seriously. And they're putting it all up on TV. So in the in the process of being deprived of everything, you also have to be like, well, I'm going to be watched by millions and I need to be this certain person mm-hmm. that you lose sight mm-hmm. of your actual self in the process. Yeah, gosh. I mean, Blake um, Portsman, which is why oh. which is why perfectly normal women mm-hmm. just do some bat shit bat stuff. Shit. Yeah. Uh, contestant Blake Hortzman recently came out this past uh, this summer saying that he like will no longer go on any sort of bachelor show because he believes it breeds um, like a toxic environment and emotional abuse. No, duh. I was like, yeah, but he's the only one who said it. It's really interesting. I know. Good, good for him. Yeah. Because, oh. um, but it does. It, I think it does make sense having the ball essentially replaced with bachelor show Mm -hmm, where it's mm -hmm. like you have to perform you have to look your best you're competing you're competing with women and there's only one person you can have you know it's sort of the same exact situation except this part's now televised and it's right the competition part is a little bit more magnified but right the ball is essentially doing the same thing yeah and i mean thinking about the original when they were at the ball and all of the female like suitors and princesses were walking up to the prince and the king that is that's the limo entrance yeah that's the bachelor limo entrance Mm -hmm. i guess whoever gets the first dance is like the first impression rose (laughs) it like all goes over and cindy's just you know getting 10 out of 10 on everything all right, well, let's talk about Henry. Let's. I, I very much enjoy how, like, um, how women-centered this book is, despite it being mm-hmm. Cinderella and, like, based on The Bachelor. But there is one man. <laughs> and he, his name is Henry McKenzie. Um, I think he's meant to be white. Yeah. Or, like, ha- mostly white and, like, half puerto rican we talked about his ethnicity somewhat in the book but because his name is henry and he's like supposed to be this dashing princey gentleman with a lot of money i kept picturing um the character from crazy rich asian whose Ah, name is also henry that's true i think yeah henry golding oh yeah henry golding i'm not sure if his character's name was also henry right well i was picturing henry golding the whole time well that's fun I wish I was yeah, picturing was Henry Golding. I was just picturing, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not good at picturing characters in general. Like, mm-hmm. they're just sort of, like, 
bodies move it like i don't actually like picture vague anything. blobs, vague blobs. Yeah. um so i was just picturing like a vague blog blob of a of a male with white blonde hair that was all <laughs> but uh henry you know he's obviously the prince charming in the story mm-hmm. and he is he does retain that like dashingness and the charm yeah um but it was, he certainly is less bland yes yes at least a little bit he's fun he's fun he's very like insert yourself into this and you'll you know like a sort of hero mm-hmm, who doesn't mm-hmm. have like too much personality that's like oh i couldn't like actually see myself with him like he's just charming and suave enough to be like oh he might be fun to actually date so it's it allows that little bit of self-insert to happen as you're reading um yeah but we don't know much about him besides that he's smart he's tall he's sexy and his mom owns a clothing company i mean that's all you need yeah true (laughs) Um, But he is, yeah, so he's the dutiful son of once famous designer Lucy McKenzie, Mm -hmm. uh, CEO and designer of the brand Lou Mac. Again, really great that he's the dutiful son to a failing empire led by a woman versus like the dutiful son to a retiring king in the Mm. original. Okay. I don't. I just really like that he's basically the one man in this book. Yeah, it's true. It is. Cindy's it's, dad it's is funny. dead. Yeah, the only other guy it is like is like a junior producer who doesn't really have right. any role other than to be like the comic relief. Yeah, and Henry's gay best friend. Well, I guess they're non-binary. Oh, Jay. Jay. Yeah, Jay is non-binary. So literally, two men. One, the producer, whose name I forgot, literally appears in, like, 10 pages maximum. Right. So. Love that for us. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I was rooting for them because. Why not? I wanted them to be happy. Yeah, yeah. why not? And also, um, we kind of skipped over this, but at the very beginning, Cindy is on a plane ride back to her mom's oh, place. Yes. And she sits next to Henry. And they, like, totally hit it off, and she's, like, really interested, but then he doesn't ask for her number, and it just kind of, like, fades away. And then, so, on the first night when they see each other, they're like, oh, my God, you! Um, and it's kind of like a the the meme of the Spider-Mans holding, oh, pointing yeah. fingers <laughs> at each other. Um, so that's kind of nice, where, like, you already know that there's an established connection outside of this fantasy world. So it helps you, like, believe they'll actually still be together outside of the production. Yeah. And there was also a lot of genuine chemistry in that scene, which goes a long way, especially when they're not, first of all, they're not super genuine during the show moments either, because they're both very aware that they are here to promote themselves and promote their respective businesses. Right. And, like, you know, how can you truly be yourself in front of a camera? Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just establishing that right away is just they are both attracted to each other outside of everything before this whole thing even started mm-hmm. goes a really long way for me. I think it was really cute when Cindy was just like, 
Is he flirting? Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, he like managed to get this creepo on the plane away from me and then sat next to me on purpose, but maybe he was just being nice. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I mean, relatable. Yeah. But also Cindy. (laughs) I know, but coming from like someone who is also bigger, like you can't help but think like any sort of attention to you given by like a conventionally attractive person or like someone you're interested in is out of some like pity or like Mm. some sort of like performative like look I'm a good guy thing Uh, yeah so that self-doubt is just like ingrained in there which you know comes back to the whole like why don't you think you would be attracted to other people blah 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 right um but it was nice to like see them flirt in their real world and then have those moments when they get away from the cameras and they're just like all over each other and they're obviously attracted to each other i was like cuties those kids are so horny so horny and yet and yet (sighs) no sex scene no sex scene literally we were texting about this and kim like mentioned the sex scene and i was like they didn't have sex and kim was like yes they did i was like no we just didn't see it um yeah it was just fade to black but it was implied and for me i was like oh they just made out (laughs) (laughs) it fully just went like over my head that's so funny because the next chapter like picks up and she was like waking up and like i don't know sleeping next to henry all night and i was like you think they just i don't fucking know maybe in the moment I, like, knew they had sex, but it was just, like, so forgettable that, like, right, two weeks yeah. after reading this book, I was like, oh, no, they didn't. We were talking a little bit before the show, and we think, or at least I think, it's because it is Disney publishing spinning off of Disney characters oh, yeah. that there was probably a direct order from somewhere above being like, don't do it. Yeah. I Don't tarnish our princesses. I think they're, like, thinking about how adults who are read this might be like moms or something who might want to like introduce this to their teenage girls as they kind of get out of this like sort of watching Mm. the true like Mm -hmm. true cinderella disney movies it's like this is a good example of like a cinderella retelling but that you can like be sure has like wide appeal so like teenage girls can read this and so can like 60 year old like older moms and no one's right. going to, like, clutch their pearls and, and get mad. But I do wish there's a little bit more um, of a risk taken. I mean, not to, not to expose myself on the pod, but... Haven't we Beauty done that every Beast. episode? <laughs> Beauty and the Beast is obviously one of the sexiest Disney movies. Yeah. I mean, in the cartoon, they were there was still so much tension. I know. It did not Please. need to be there, and they put it there. This was my, f- and this is my favorite Disney movie slash Disney couple. And Disney so loves me- that animalistic shit, you know. Yeah. Because think about Tarzan, and Tarzan is like so sexy, and he's supposed to be like animal, primal. Right, you know, and I'm, I mean, I'm sure Jasmine Guillory would do a really good job because she always does. But I'm a little bit nervous as to how the beast mm. is going to be depicted because there's like really easy yeah. traps of ableism that you can fall in with that oh, one. Oh yeah, 
and also which just others like, have also fallen in with that one and also just boring takes like i don't know if you remember like the cw's beauty and the beast from like the yeah. early 2000s 2010s mm-hmm. i don't actually remember why he was a beast but he was like so conventionally attractive and it's like right i'm just guarded it's like i think it was just like okay right <laughs> right I don't know. Don't have the one attractive scar on his eyebrow. I know. That you know is conventionally acceptable. Like, shut and up. Just, <laughs> and just make it angsty. That's not. And like I said, Jasmine Guillory does a really good job. and She mm-hmm. does her research every time. It's just. And I don't think, I think she it would will be hard. fall into that pit of like someone essentially being disabled and then like cured by love. Because oh that is like so ableist and like that would be horrible and hopefully that would wouldn't get past sensitivity checks at all right right. but it it's been done before and hopefully it won't be done again in this series right all that to say is if i was assigned this i probably would have picked cinderella mm-hmm. or aladdin or mulan something like yeah oh mulan if they do mulan nice that's gonna be fun. I hope they make that would be so fun. I hope they make the Shang character bisexual or yeah, pan yeah. or something. So like he can be attracted in both circumstances. Right. Or like Or like questioning and then yeah. by the end is like, oh, I'm bi. This is mm-hmm. great. Or like the main character be like a drag queen or something. So we mm-hmm. see that sort of like gender as performance. Yeah. There's so many yeah. so many cool There's ways. There's so many ways. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to do Pocahontas. Cuz I just I don't see it, you know. I, no, I don't think they're going I hope I hope by this like by this time they're smart enough not to even try try to poke it with like poke that hornet's nest mm-hmm. cuz I wonder how they do Little Mermaid. <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay. Anyways, <laughs> second second side road now back on the highway. Yeah, I think we're both interested to see where the series goes. Very um, for sure. We might not be reading every single book for the podcast, but I'm definitely going to be looking into them as they release because if the shoe fits, I think was a really smart adaptation of Cinderella. I really really loved how obviously Julie uh, Julie Murphy has either done her research or is already a very avid fan of the bachelor Mm -hmm. because it was i felt like i was watching actual episodes happening it does read like episodes yeah and i think she like based a lot of it on pilot pete's season low-key because they had to do that awful pillow fight yeah in the wrestling ring and remember in the sh- actual show they gave like i forgot who the who the girl was lingerie but they gave kelly oh like a like, grandma moo yes yes and that was literally what happened here mm-hmm. where cindy but except cindy got the moo because she's fat and the uh wardrobe person shitty person was shitty it's like (laughs) and didn't get anything uh, attractive conventionally that would fit her so she had to be wearing this like frumpy grandma nightgown that's just like astounding to me that she was like well i just didn't think you would last this long so i didn't buy you any clothes in your size that's just a horrible way to do your job god damn how are you not fired right 
and like it makes more sense in this context because i think they just did that to kelly for television Mm -hmm. yeah for like a drama thing but like Mm -hmm. there's no actual reason why kelly didn't have sexy clothes and in this book it's like oh okay like it makes a bit more sense why cindy has to wear this ugly moo thing and a lot of this is like We've already had this conversation based on The Bachelor because during Claire's season, we were both just like, why can they not dress, dress her. her? It was bad. And at first I thought, oh, like, maybe it's just because she has, like, a bigger chest and so they don't want to dress her. But then they dressed Tasha so well. And it's because Claire's old. old. Yeah, like, Claire's... Per- like, air quote, old. Right. That's like, they didn't want her to look, like, sexy I guess so they just went full mom I don't know but there was so much unnecessary glitter Mm. oh sequins. I forgot about the glitter so many high necks so many they just did not want to show her body it made no fucking sense I'm like she's not fucking decrepit guys she's just 30 well she's 40 oh she's just 40 seriously relax yeah well they didn't do a good job with Katie either so. I'm not gonna lie, Katie's season come out came out when I was like in a weird spot in my <laughs> life and I just couldn't watch it. And you know what? You should not. There's no reason. Fucking Blake Moynes is <laughs> the winner, and their like whole thing is just like ooh sex, and I'm like so messy. I know the editors did that, and they probably had a lot deeper conversations, but it ain't good. Yeah, well, I mean, apparently Dale had really, Dale had really, really great conversation about what it was like to be black in America. Oh, really? What it was like to have black hair in America, and like, really bonded with the black contestants over that because they were sharing, like, you know, getting dress coded for having their natural hair in school, or like just God. being discriminated, and the producers just <laughs> cut all of it out. It just like pains me to know that like bachelor can be this progressive and really great show and it chooses to stick in this like middle america christian thing even though it's not successful because their ratings keep declining mm-hmm. it's like guys mm-hmm. either fully go in and stop being performative with like your once in five year black cast lead and actually show the conversations that the contestants right. are having or just give up and just stop the show Right. Well, I think a lot of that, too, is because the executive producer is Chris Harrison. Well, he's one uh, of them, but Mike Fleiss is another, I think. Mm. So it's two white guys at the helm. Right. And, like, I don't know much about Mike Fleiss, or, but Chris Harrison has... Bad. I mean, even before the very recent news where he, like, yelled <laughs> at... Not Taysha. What, Rachel Lindsay. Rachel. Rachel Lindsay. I mean, before that, I've also heard him talk in other interviews, and I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Ew. Ew. And this show, or not this show, this book, I think, does a better job, but it still feels, like, does a better job in, like, talking about how the whole thing is, like, inherently sexist, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't talk that much about race. No, it doesn't. I to, like, do they even say they have, like, black or Asian or any, like, 
colors of con- like yeah contestants of color. um one of the contestant that sydney got really close to i think is black okay because i think she said that at some point it just like feels weird though when you have these books and it's like their introduction says that they're black and it's kind of like oh we're taking off these boxes but then their identity is like never brought up again or it's like somehow implied through like the way they dress or the way they talk but it's like oh, i'd like to see it like a bit more present i think that was my like big con of the book was that the secondary characters kind of like faded to the point where i like couldn't differentiate among them but that's also because the book is like so short it's like less than 300 pages so there's also just not space for it and i would like to see that a bit more fleshed out on the show cindy ended up with three roommates at the very beginning and their names are sarah claire who's this really sweet blonde southern like Alabaman girl who you would think is like very conservative and very redneck and kind of dumb and ditzy because she plays it that way on camera but she's actually very smart and like really um observant and she could read like between the lines of what the producers were trying Mm -hmm. to get them to do and play it in a way that would benefit her I think perhaps modeled off of Hannah Brown and Hannah Ann I, I agree. Uh, and she's calculating in the way that Cindy is, like, not good at, mm-hmm. but not malicious, which, you know, good for her. Yeah. And I think the other contestant that, oh, Addison says so the... The mean girl. The stereotypical mean girl mm-hmm. that is on the show for fame and fortune and is not here to make friends. Yeah. She's here to become America's next top model yeah (laughs) truly wrong show right and i think third and i think she's a woman of color i want to say she's black but i can't honestly remember is stacy and she's also queer that yes or bisexual that rings about later on later on her ex-girlfriend sneaks onto the property in the hotel room and they got back together which would never happen. Would never happen is fun. Is super fun. Yes. But security Ooh. around like bachelor contestants, I can see them hooking up with producers and that has happened before. Mm-hmm. But strangers or like, you know, outside people coming in without the producers knowing about it, highly unlikely. That's true. Yeah. Okay. It does ring a bell. Stacy rings a bell of being a person of color and being queer. I do remember that. Um, maybe it's just because I read it like about a month ago now, mm-hmm. but also I'd like to see that a bit more fleshed out, you know, where it doesn't feel like there's just this like side character who ticks like the diverse boxes mm-hmm. and then it's like, okay, you know? Right. So, eh. always room for improvement. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Um, I don't know what my thoughts are on this either because I'm, I'm truly fine with it, but I think it's the other bit that's, like, slightly unrealistic is, like, once Cindy got on the show, the response to her was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, that's not realistic at all. No. And, I mean, I think it's fine, given the, like, 
purposes of this story. But as we just talked about with the real life bachelor, Mm -hmm. most of their core demographic is this middle America traditional housewives that would not. Maybe that's like an added fantasy of the book that like the world is generally accepting. But if we just look back on like recent bachelor contestants, Jesenia Cruz just talked about on this season of Bachelor in Paradise how she was like regularly called slurs all the time on social media Mm -hmm. and her DMs. Mm -hmm. Rachel Lindsay has talked about that regularly being called the n-word. It's like and and people body shame these women like all the time. All the time. I'm not saying Victoria Larson is a good person but like oh yeah people come came for her appearance nonstop right. not just about like her bra showing but about her body right and there's been like other contestants like who are skinny and conventionally attractive that are like too big for the show like hannah brown was like always just a little too big and mm-hmm. she's like mm-hmm. literally probably like a size six or something right you know yeah so it's just weird how the book was like oh everyone loves you everyone's applauding you And they didn't take any time to, like, bring to attention that there would be, like, fatphobic comments or, like, people calling her a cow or lazy. And we see that. Or even, like, within the house. Yeah. And we see that a little bit with, like, the costume person on set Mm -hmm. or, like, when she goes. Yeah, Addison. And when she goes to, like, fashion places and, like, can't find her size. Mm -hmm. But we don't see, like, people in the house besides one person being rude. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, it, it feels unnatural because, like, I know that wouldn't actually happen. Like, if there was ever a fat person on, like, a Bachelor show, I think that would cause an uproar. Yeah, like, genuinely in the audience as well as, like, inside the show. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of Bachelor would not would not know how to handle it either. Like, as the male lead, they yeah. would do that thing where there was, like, well, we can't kick off the fast the fat girl the first night right. i gotta keep you know whether Pretty it's genuine or, or not yeah i gotta keep her on like i think the only recent conversation is this season of bachelor in paradise um marissa who's with riley um she on her first date was like well two years ago i was like 200 pounds heavier or something and mm-hmm. she was talking about how like she got a lot of hate and people didn't look at her the same way they do now, now that she's, like, lost a lot of weight. And he had this, like, really great response of, like, you know, beauty's not just, like, skin deep. And I think you're beautiful now and you, you were beautiful then, all this thing, all this stuff that's, like, comes off a little shallow because, like, you didn't know her. And, you know, it's nice to think about. But that's, like, the only time bachelor in paradise has or any bachelor thing i think has like talked about size oh you know like i just don't see it happening where people are accepting and applauding that quickly i mean and on my side of it just as like a skinny person i so i didn't really have much of an opinion about like whether it's good or not that this is unrealistic but I did know that I was like, she didn't make that many moves like just to play the game anyways mm-hmm. for there to be this much support. Like I can, 
realistically, her limo entrance was not that memorable. Yeah. She didn't really become like a big player until a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. And just as a Bachelor viewer, I know that she would not have had that much screen time. Right. Playing it like on the periphery like that. And you see sometimes like Bachelor people get really caught up with people that only have like a small amount of screen time. So like Mm -hmm. Dr. Joe on Tasha and Claire's season had like probably five minutes in total, but everyone loved him. And same with grocery store Joe, who's literally eliminated on the first night. And here he is like with a bachelor podcast and on like two seasons of bachelor in paradise. And he's like one of the big faces, but I just, I I would see her like stand out because she's like the only one who's fat, but it wouldn't probably be the overwhelming amount of support. And it is nice to like see someone who's so confident and like know she's beautiful, but I would like to see that confidence still remain even in the face of people telling her differently. So, eh. But I think she was also recognized a lot for her taste in shoes, which we haven't really yeah. touched on. But this girl is obsessed. Mm-hmm. She brought, like, I think she said she brought, like, a suitcase, just, like, dedicated several suitcases just for shoes when she was moving. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. Her style does not sound good. Yeah. I was about to say. Every time she describes like, something, I'm like, bestie, I would never be seen wearing that. Right. So I was bringing this up because she is a designer and when she talks about shoes that like she obtained from other brands, like just for her personal collection, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, cute, awesome. Like the vintage, like whatever, whatever. Right. Great. But then when she she talks about the stuff she makes, I'm just like, ah. maybe I'm just not picturing this correctly. Yeah. I mean, there's not like one shoe... Did it have like peacock feathers? And yeah, it like that goes up around the ankles oh or somehow. God. I don't, I can't visualize it no. in a way that for it to look good. No, it literally sounds like costume footwear. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why the fuck would you put peacock feathers on a shoe? Like, what is that trying to do? <laughs> Why would you I lace it I up? Shoes with laces up the ankle have not been in fashion for like at least five years. But and then later on, one of the one of the um, mini contests within the show is they have to yeah. pick out their own outfit for Lumac, which also happened in Pilot Pete's season, mm-hmm. and model it on the runway. Yes. And Cindy's, you know, panicking because she can't fit anything. Fit anything. So then she had to turn like a mini dress into a skirt, and then she cut the a like bathing suit cover up into a top. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this the mini skirt dress was described as like sparkly or like sequined. Yeah. Yeah. It was I, no. I just wasn't getting it. I don't I don't remember how it was described, but I do remember in the moment being like, that's probably ugly. Yeah. 
I mean, I guess the scene does show that she has a lot of skill and that she can make do with what she has. Um, and I do like that they don't, the book doesn't lose sight of like her true goal of being um, a designer or anything. And it reiterates that to the reader multiple times, but the stuff she makes never sounds appealing. So I'm not too, not quite sure how commercially successful she'll be. By the way, the other, the junior producer's name is Zeke, and he and Anna hooked up, which is how Anna left the show. Uh, I didn't see how we were going to bring that up, so I'm just going to bring it up now as we're trying to find that. It looks like it's in chapter 22. My eyes land on a shift dress with huge nude sequins. The fabric is kind of synthetic satin with stretch. I pull it across the widest part of my hips, and I think it might work. Um... And then she finds something else. Um, so she pulls up the dress and it's a skin tight pencil skirt. And uh, she get the designer, Irina, gives her a long white beach cover up where Cindy takes scissors halfway up the front seam and then up the back, leaving only a deep V neck and the dolman sleeve. I slip it on over my head and find the fabric is sheer, so my black bra underneath creates a sexy silhouette. Pulling the two panels of fabric I just cut, I tie them into a knot in front of me and let the long, long pieces hang, creating a lo nice long line down the center of my body. Not the black bra. Let me quickly Google a shift dress just to make sure I'm, like, picturing this right. I think you are. Uh-huh. Yeah. The only thing... It's one of those, like, straight down mm -hmm. that kind of tapers at the waist, and it's not quite an A-line skirt. It's very much, like, a pencil skirt finish. But she's using that as the skirt, right? But she's using it as a skirt. So maybe it's, like, and a mini skirt, I hope. It's not, like, it, Yeah, she, she called it a mini skirt at the end, where she was, like, I did a tiny, like curtsy because this mini skirt is not budging and, but you know what a dolman sleeve is not cute with a, a right. mini sequin skirt especially if it's a sheer also, white fabric with your black bra huge show. huge nude sequins what yeah so is it to find a huge sequin is it not to find the nude sequins yeah, it is, but like, I, is she talking about the size of the sequin itself? The size of the sequin is large, and it is also nude. All over, yeah. All over. What? what? Yeah. That makes me think about this, like, Target sequin bag I bought, you know, in, like, 2010. And I, like, convinced my mom to get it, and I have now since um, given it to Goodwill. But that's what it reminds me of. And the dolman sleeve... It's cute. It's a long sleeve. It, yeah. It's a baggy long sleeve. It's a baggy long sleeve, which I think would balance nicely with the tight mini skirt, but not if the material is for a beach cover-up and then you're wearing nightwear on the bottom. Make it make sense. And then it's not even classy like the dolman sleeve is trying to be, because then your black bra is showing underneath. So I feel like it probably looks more like a going out club look. You know? 
Anyways, we normally would not. Well, we normally would harp on this. Uh, But I mean, Cindy's supposed to be a designer. So Uh I think it's a fair point of contention. Yeah. And you know what? It's not even like we're not fashion girls every single day. But but we do love to show a good look. But we are fashion girls sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. In in our heart of hearts, if we like had the mental capacity to look ten out of ten every day. Or the wallet. Yeah, seriously. Maybe we would, but it is a lot of effort. Um mm-hmm. and maybe Julie Murphy isn't a fashion girl. But mm. I think there's there could have there could have been a better a better moment for Cindy there. I almost felt like this in certain spots wasn't a romance. Because, mm. like, she didn't really have that much interaction with Henry on the show. Like, there were some little clandestine moments. Yeah. But it was very much about Cindy and Cindy's journey the whole time. Yeah, I do think if you're looking at, like, the romance boxes, it mm-hmm. does, like, mm-hmm. tick them all off. But somehow it doesn't. It feels more like we're rooting it's not for that centered. Cindy. More yeah. like then we're rooting for Cindy and Henry. And I think mm-hmm. it goes back to like this publisher trying to be really like um, commercially successful. So if stores want to put it in their romance section, they can, but they can also put it in their fiction section or their women's fiction section. And like technically, I think all of those would work. You know, so it's like, yeah, that's fair. The sort of like everyday book that like anyone can pick up. But in doing that, it kind of loses the heart of the romance. Yeah. I mean, there were really cute moments like when Henry. So for their little um, because normally for Bachelor, you know, you leave L.A. and you go to you do hometowns Mm -hmm. or you visit like another city right before hometowns. Um, so for our version, they go to New York. So when they get to the the lobby of the hotel and there's a little bit of chaos, Henry chooses that moment to like sneak her behind like a really big display of souvenirs so no one can see them. Yeah. And I think they made out or maybe they made out again in like a closet or something. But there were really a lot of clandestine yeah. like little moments like that. I think they made out in the souvenir shop and then again by like an ice cream not an ice cream an ice machine at the hotel right right and then they had their one-on-one and ran away from yeah from the crew which, absolutely not it's just like odd though like as a viewer i don't think you would be rooting for henry and C- cindy because they were uncomfortable showing being affectionate in front of the camera mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i think it would come off that he like wasn't into her yeah or vice versa right like i don't think they i don't know we didn't get to see a lot from the viewer's perspective Mm -hmm. it was very much like what was happening with cindy yeah so i would really be interested in seeing how the producer presented her because like a lot of the game is how did the producers cut their footage together to present you as a person and also we've seen the vans that those producers Mm. drive in during the dates there is no freaking way that you could escape them on foot in new york how the hell did you get away from them like what what especially because she's like i'm more of a light jogger 
Yeah, girl. I was like, she don't don't make her jog in heels in New York. And she, it's what not are you like doing? she's gonna take off her shoes because absolutely not. It's New York. You're gonna get so many so diseases. Many. Oh God. Uh, okay, and then they went to the international date, which is in some tropical island somewhere. Yeah. I can't remember, but that's when the infamous not sex scene happened. Oh yeah. Um. So he. First of all, weird. He was going on a one-on-one with someone that night. Yes. Which is why she had downtime to, like, hang out with other contestants, like, in the beach Uh and eating and drinking and having a good time. Yes. And then when he came back from the one-on-one, he snuck into her room. Mm Mm-hmm. Again. Sir. (laughs) Can't happen. (laughs) But she was in the bath. Okay, okay. So I think that would be a really good moment for... Because they played it very chaste. Where Cindy was like, "Mm, don't look. Mm -hmm. He was like, okay, I'm not looking. And he had his eyes shut the whole time. But I was like, she was a little drunk. I think it would be really fun if her little drunk self was like, come in. Yeah. I'm in the tub. There's bubbles. You like really can't see everything. But you can see enough. Mm -hmm. It would have been cute. Yeah. A little bath scene. Do you want to read what actually happened, though? Yeah, let me get it. Do you want to? Do you want to do this together? Because oh, there's a lot of dialogue. Sure. So. sure. Um. Let's see. Okay, I'll start with. I'll start at the top of two thirty-two. Okay. And this is Henry talking. He says. Maybe less talking while I'm walking with my eyes shut. Okay, one step forward and then one step down, I tell him. He follows my instructions cautiously. And then two steps forward, follow my voice. Gladly, he says, and suddenly he's looming over me, eyes still shut with a fluffy towel spread out for me. I don't want to get you wet, I say. Hello? Please, come on. You do want to get him wet. You do. His voice his voice is gravelly. I won't melt. I host myself out of the tub carefully, feeling deeply vulnerable as I stand completely naked before him. I'm not looking, he reminds me, as though he can read my thoughts. I wrap the towel around me, and of course it barely covers anything, and suddenly I'm wishing for the very large, very luxurious towels at our New York hotel. But my thudding heart begins to slow, and the queasiness in my stomach isn't a result of being so nearly naked with him only inches away, but instead of the thought of him leaving. You can open your eyes, I whisper. So the tension is clearly ratcheting up. Yeah. She's literally, like, half naked in front of him. And she tells him to open his eyes. Just just let us have it. Come on. Just let us have it. Instead, it, it goes like so. He holds a hand out for me as I step out of the tub, but the drop down is higher than I expected and I stumble forward. Come on! You're setting all of it up. I know. And so she holds her towel rather than breaks her fall, and Henry catches her by the elbow. Um, and so they do a little, like, cute thing where Henry's like, I'll, I'll do all of this for you. He'll walk into a brick wall for her, fall into a manhole, etc., etc., um, and then he tilts his head further down as his arms snake around my waist. 
I stand on my toes, my towel thankfully staying in place as I wrap my arms around his neck and playfully nip at his lip. He groans into my mouth and my entire body melts into his. Stay, I plead. He devours me with a kiss as he slides one hand down the length of my hip and pulls my thigh up, hooking it around his. Come on. That's hot. It's like getting there. That's hot. And she's naked. Like, yeah. Bear pussy. Sorry to be crude. And I feel like I can't be crude all of a sudden. No. But like, if he lifted her thigh up, then bear pussy is on his thigh. She's essentially like, she's in like a grinding position right now. Yeah. Um, an urgency I have no intention of saying no, no to consumes me as I pull Henry back inside my villa, the door shutting softly behind us, sealing us in our own private bubble. Neither of us is in the position to promise each other much of anything, but we have tonight. Come on. Bro. It was all right also, there. Also, they have cameras in the rooms. Just not in the bathrooms, but they have cameras in the bedrooms. Mm-hmm. For they do. B footage or in case something like this happens. Yeah. Come on now. Come on. Yeah, so then like the next page is them or her waking up in the morning and Henry left her a little note on the pillow and he had to go because he had to film stuff. Right. But oh come on. I do def- I deflated like a balloon. I know. Cause I was like, oh it's so good. There's no so sexy. Even, like, this is it. I know, and their makeout scenes were hot. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, remember reading this and being like, the sex scene is going to be really hot. And then it's fade to black. And then we don't even get like a cute waking up scene or anything. It's just like, oh, he's gone. People got eliminated. Cindy, like, Cindy became a top three player. Um, And like, I think to your point, as the audience, I would be kind of weirded out as to like, why Henry kept her the top three player, even if Mm -hmm. I'm a really big fan of her. Like, with Katie Thurston, I was a really big fan of Katie Thurston, but I knew she was going to be eliminated early. Because her and Dale are just, like, buds. Her and Matt. Katie was on Matt's season of The Bachelor. Dale was a contestant for Claire Crawley. Oh, 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 Matt. Gosh. (laughs) Yes. Uh, yeah, but they just seemed like friends. They had no sexual chemistry. Right. And I'm sure that's what Cindy and Henry, unless there's some really intense eye-fucking that they can't help. Yeah, I mean, there's those couple scenes where, like, the other contestants, like Anna and Drew, when they were on, were like, oh my gosh, you have so much chemistry with him. Or like, you staked your claim by kissing him on the cheek. But then we don't see that reiterated by anyone else. Yeah. Once they are gone, which is pretty early in. Right. And maybe, like I said, because they're her stepsisters, so maybe they are like, oh, that's what Cindy looks like when she really likes somebody, because that's something they would know versus other people. Right. But regardless, she is a top three. And the interesting part is that they get to go home prior to the finale. Yeah. I don't, that's not how that works. Uh is it? I think you're able to like go home, but you're not able to like talk to anyone. Like when before the finale airs. Mm-hmm. But but they were oh, still guess, filming. Well, I guess after the final rose, this is like the sort of after the final rose, right? No, because oh, no, because he's choosing his final pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's weird. 
So I mean, it's just it's something to make the plot works because what eventually happens is that she gets a job offer that she cannot refuse by mm-hmm. a really big name designer called Gossamer. Um, and she, I don't remember why, but she was under the impression that Henry wasn't going to pick her for the finale anyways, which is why she went and did the interview. Yeah, I think she was just feeling insecure. I'm not sure there's like a specific like talk they had or right. something that, that made her, I think she was just like looking for more affirmation right than he was willing to give Mm -hmm. well and also because beck one of the producers told her that was like no the execs have already chosen who the who the winner is gonna be yes and it's sarah claire not you because they want you for the next bachelorette right essentially and cindy was like oh fuck (laughs) i don't want to be a bachelorette yeah she's like i'm totally in love with henry and she doesn't even like talk to henry before she leaves no she's just like i'm out i'm like come on girl like henry has never worked with production as you can tell by like you trying to get away from the cameras together every single time right so then the problem ends up being she gets the job but then she also gets invited to the finale after all right so when she thinks she... it's going to be Addison and Sarah Claire to the finale and not her. So, I don't know. There wasn't that much of a tension there for me. Like, I know there was supposed to be a dilemma, but I was very not feel it. assured the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's, it just, like, felt like nothing was actually, like, a conflict. At stake, yeah. Because I, like, yeah. Because we, as as the readers, already know for sure that Henry is doing this out of obligation. He doesn't have Mm -hmm. feelings for the other two. I think it would be, it would have been a risky narrative choice if Henry was like, oh, fuck, I do kind of, like, have feelings for the both of you, Sarah Claire and Cindy. Because then it kind of ends up being like a, oh, like, actually, like, something is at stake. Mm-hmm. but but no he but has no. no feelings it's not like she needs to be in the final two in order to get this job offer or it's there's something in her contract or anything it's like you've got your dream job and you know Henry doesn't have feelings for the other woman and if you just talk to him this wouldn't even exist right and let's be honest we know that Bachelor contestants normally don't end up with their winners. Right. So she, being her logical self, could have uh, could have made that just being like, okay, he's going to pick Sarah Claire, and it's going to be a thing mm-hmm. for, like, a year till they both get what they want. Right. And then they can, like, friendly and respectfully part ways. Right. A year at maximum, too. At max, exactly. Like we saw with Peter, he chose <laughs> Hannah Ann. <laughs> That was they, so messy. It was so messy. He got engaged to Hannah Ann. He broke it off with her months later. And then at the after the final rose was with Madison. I think only the show wanted to do that. They broke up literally three days later. And then he was with Kelly, his number six pick. For, for a like, long time. At like eight In comparison, months. a long time. In comparison. And now they're broken up and Peter's single. It's like, damn. Damn. 
you know? Like, yeah. he tried with so many of them. Well, Peter's also a mess. Peter, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Peter's a bad, a bad lead. But, so, during the live finale, which, wild, mm -hmm. Henry found yeah. out that Cindy stood him up, and then he disappears. He goes. And everyone's freaking out. The nation is freaking out. I love that. I, I also love that. And I low-key kind of want it to happen IRL. Yeah. Just someone, like, saying fuck it to the show and going after who they want. And I guess it kind of happened with Colton. Right, right. But, but it was Colton filmed. is they gay. They never, like, lost him. Yeah. Colton is gay and he is also a stalker. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And now he has his own show, or did that get squashed? I, I think he's still going to have his own dating show. Oh, God. But anyways, my point being, the if that happened, if The Bachelor went missing, the manhunt would be over so fast. Have you not met a Twitter stan? Oh, my God. Twitter, Twitter stans are, like, so powerful. And so scary. They would geolocate that man so mm -hmm. fast. They're like, I saw a reflection of a hooded man in a Starbucks who kind of looks like this guy yeah, and he had yeah. this ring. And then someone would and, find like, out where the ring on was this, bought. Based on the Starbucks is like furniture I know it's the one on like, you know, whatever street in whatever right. city. It's like, there, you've already tracked him down to a city. All you have to do is hopefully spot him again and you got him like that's what twitter does we're not even exaggerating no we're really not so yeah i don't think i don't think henry is like some master because it happened at for running like... away but he happens he does it several times and i'm like how how and it went on for like you? three weeks because then yeah. Cindy heard he went missing and then it cuts to three weeks later. And I was like, so as the producer, I think I would have had to somehow work out a conclusion. It can't just end. You The season can't just end with The Bachelor is missing. Right. And he's not missing for the entire three weeks. But they do stop filming. Right. And then and he's like, contractually, like just making appearances. Yeah. I'm like, how are you going to save your mom's business now? Contractually, he's fucked. Mm-hmm. No clue. Like, Erica Tremaine would totally, within her rights, if, like, if she was smart, which it is established that she, she is. is, be like, you owe us a full episode or we can sue, sue the you. pants off of you. Forcing him to, like, come on, like, an after-after show. Mm -hmm. Just to like be like, I, I left because blah, blah, blah. Right. Or like maybe him and Cindy will do like a little special episode. But I don't see either of them wanting to be on the show ever again. It's just so weird. Like, this third act is strange. You no, know, the third act was very strange. There's not a lot of action as far as the relationship like cindy did a lot she got a job interview she decided to move she's gonna be in mm -hmm. rome and we were like oh I, I did i had no idea how henry i knew henry was gonna factor into it somehow right. but i just of was course. like 
it's all quickly wrapping up. Where is he gonna pop in? Well, he just kind of showed up. Didn't yeah, he? he pops in at her office as she's leaving for Rome, and was le- and like... has a pair of chimichurros as a peace offering. Oh yeah, but, I remember being like kind of cringing at this. Yeah, because. If anything, she should apologize to you. Right. What does he have to apologize for? Because it was literally a misunderstanding. Right. Like, neither one was actually like, at fault, at fault. But she was the one that, like, bailed on coming to the finale after getting her invite. Yeah. And they, he, she could have just talked to him. She could have just been like, hey, I heard this rumor. Uh, not cool. And then he would have been like, I don't play with the producer shit. It was you. But that happened after, during those office conversations. And they kiss and they decide to be together. Mm -hmm. And she was like, come to Rome with me. And he was like, okay. And then that's it. And I will say, like, I just kind of find the whole, like, putting a shoe on thing kind of heavy handed. Right. But everything else was, like, so subtle. Right. And I think yeah. done really well. And then this is just, like, right. Here's. Okay. So that's that's the thing is she's designing men's footwear now mm-hmm. in addition to, like, what she normally does, which is women's footwear. So she designs a shoe based off of Henry, which she calls the Henry. And so she has a prototype, and during that office, meeting or like when they're having that final talk she slips it on him you know the way cinderella gets to wear the glass slipper at the end except it's like a role reversal where she puts it on him and then and she's actually moving to rome i I did roll my eyes brooklyn she was moving to brooklyn she's going to rome for like for Ah. the job for two or three weeks okay okay yeah so she puts the shoe on him and then he says, he brings a shoe and he's like, oh, I, she's like, what's in the shoe box? And he says, shoes, of course, a very memorable pair of shoes. She says, are they really for me? And then if the shoe fits, he whispers. And that's just how the book ends. Yeah. I don't like, like it when they say the thing's title. Like when it's no. movies and TV shows, I already don't like it. And I didn't know how much I would not like it in books. And now I know. Now you know. I mean, I think I've read books before where it said it, but not in such like an obvious way. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. Yeah. So, eh. I mean, it was the whole shoe thing, I guess, never spoke to me. So ending on the shoe and her design and everything, I was just like, okay, I know you're together. I wanted a better epilogue. Yes. I know. I love epilogues and romance novels. Yeah, because that's where you get all the payoff. Where it's like, we've been together and happy for years now or for like a year mm-hmm. now. Like just even seeing them like in Brooklyn and then going to Lumac and she goes to the other thing and they like are on their commute together and just like kiss and then go to their work. Right. That would have been cute. Yeah, and I think I would not have minded that much if this was talked about in the periphery, like it jumps to whatever time point, and it's like, it's kind of like a mislead where she's like going to lunch, and then she meets Henry, and we're like, oh, 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then she was like, yeah, we've been together for all this time. And like right. everything was fixed when he came to my office that one day after the show. And we had like found yeah. our way back to each other. And right. I just get to see them be a couple. Yeah. The whole we, scene I don't think is needed if the if there was a sort of like epilogue or anything like that. Yeah. Because she can even like blithely mention like um, something about like, she released a shoe dedicated to him and it completely sold and that kind of opened the door for him to come back mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they've been together ever since if they if like julie murphy wanted to kind of put the focus on her on career. cindy's like yeah. skill and career again right and i, I mean the other thing is never got to see them as a legitimate couple together mm-hmm. together yeah so we saw them flirting in the beginning and then they finally decide to get together at the end. Right. I think couples always work better if you see them in the middle as a couple doing really well. And then something happens. Right. To, you know, to make them not a couple for like 20 pages. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think so much better than like, will they even get together in the first place? We don't hate the third act breakup. No. When, when it's executed well, it it's does good. a lot. Yeah, she does, a, does lot a lot when she's stakes. done well. Yeah, it does a lot for the stakes. It does a lot to the reader's emotions. Yeah. I'm always looking for my heart to hurt. Always. Know? I'm looking for it to, like, squeeze. Be like, yeah, oh, God. Yeah. Let them pine. I know. My heart did not hurt reading this. Mm-mm, not at all. It was, like, cute and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It wasn't heart squeezing. It was a very gentle adventure. Which is, and if you like that, there you go. This is so fun. Yeah. Stakes are never high enough for you to like physically react in any ways. Mm -hmm. Very good entry into romance Mm -hmm. book. And also maybe like if you've read a lot of taboo or dark romances recently and want like a palate cleanser. A little break. Yeah. A little like, oh, I just need like some, some cozies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think this can do it. I think this is also good for those that secretly likes romance, but outwardly mm. is still internally like, yeah, mm, I want to, I, I need book substance because that this career driven plot right. is like, could be their little farce for that. Mm. They're like, oh, it's actually about a girl finding herself. Right, right. After college. It's like, we well, I know you just you... want to read romance, actually. We just want to help you come out of your romance closet. Mm-hmm. Please do. Join us. Um, it's so fun. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this, I don't think, has any content worthy of, do they call it a clit? Because yeah. Because it's closed door. Yep. Fade to black. Yep. And no room for Simper Psycho. Well, like the shoe fits. What's your rating, Kim? I think I will give it a three or a three and a half mm-hmm. ripped bodices out of five. I completely agree. I think I'm going to do three and a half because it's good. Yeah, it's just, no, it's good. It's just not sexy enough to be a favorite. Yeah. But again, the, the scale is subjective. Yes. If Kim you... and I are hoes. Hoes. We, lo- we love sex sexiness in our books yeah so if you have a different rating for it email us tweet at us let us know 
We love to hear thoughts. We are at Ripping on Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we are at Ripping on Bodice Rippers at gmail.com on our email. Please rate, like, and subscribe. We really appreciate it as a new podcast and recommend us to your friends and family. And until next time, find a new pair of shoes. And family. <laughs>